The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. We do welcome you to another program, Afternoons with Mike, heard daily here on The Shepherd. I'm so excited to have my friend Donovan Peterkin in. He's known professionally, if you've seen him around town, he's known on piano as Donovan Peters. This man's an incredible keyboard player. I've heard him many, many times. He opens every month at the chamber doing a kind of walk-in music. Yes. And uh, you've entertained at the uh, expo they had last year. Yes, I did. And that was a lot of fun. Donovan, welcome mm. back to the program. Thank you, Mike. It's so good to be back. Yeah, yeah. I had you on the, <clears throat> the time before and learned all about your background of music and how that you've done a lot of years of playing professionally, even on cruises. Yes, I have. I, I've often wondered about that. Now, you know, Cindy and I took four cruises. And every time I've been on one, the highlight for me is the live music that you can go and just sit around either at a restaurant or sometimes it's out kind of in the walkway areas. They'll put a musician out there. Sure. That's just so much fun. It is. It is. And it creates such a great ambiance for all the folks that are listening. Yeah. Music's a big part, as as you know, uh, of the uh, cruise ship experience. It and, really is. You know, and it can be as small as a guy like me playing cocktail piano or doing a dueling pianos type show or as big as a Vegas full production uh, uh, situation in the theater. So yeah, yeah, uh, there, where, where there's cruises, there's music. <laughs> you know, speaking of music now, this is something you've been doing. I don't know how many years when you were probably one of those that your parents gave you piano lessons. Is that what happened? Well, yes, it, it kind of happened that way. My my sister was actually the one they they were thinking was going to be the piano player. So back in those days, they found a uh, an old piano that they were able to pay a couple of bucks a week kind of thing to go ahead and get her started. That lasted about three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, so one of my chores around the house was the, I had to you know dust the piano every week. Yeah. And uh, I started pick, picking up uh, melodies. I was the kind of kid that sang everything he heard, whether it was a TV commercial, whatever it was. I, if I could hear it, I could, I, I could, you know, sing it. So it came naturally to it, you. It did. So I started picking out melodies on the piano, and over the years, it morphed. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now you obviously took the lessons, and you you learned to, to read, right? No, actually. Oh, you never <laughs> learned to read? You're one no, of these ear players. I am a total ear player. Yeah. Um, my parents did uh, get a, a piano teacher to come and, and, and try to teach me. And the biggest <laughs> problem was I wouldn't look at the notes. Yeah. I wouldn't look at the charts. So um, after a little bit, they, uh, she told my parents to just let me grow on my own. She said, he's got something. See where it goes. Don't. Don't mess with him. You know, that reminds me of the story of Glenn Campbell. Now, Glenn could not, as great a musician as he was, and he was part of that big L.A. recording studio team called the Wrecking Crew. 
Oh, wow. And, and it was like a studio musicians par excellence. And they did music for Sinatra and the Beach Boys oh, and you name it. They played on these big, big, big standard records out there. But Glenn was paired up with all of these different um, musicians like Hal Blaine and Larry Nectol. These were all amazing trained musicians that you just plop a a sheet music down in front of them Mm -hmm. and they could just nail it. That's amazing. Glenn was not that. Glenn did not know how to read, but he had the same gift that you have of being an ear player. And he would astound all of these, you know, professional readers of music and he would just knock it all out. Isn't that amazing? I never yeah. knew that. Yeah, that was that's how he did it. And he spent, before he ever went on television, I mean, most people that are our, our my age, not your age, you're, you're younger than I, uh, but most people would remember Glenn from TV days, like the Glenn, the, the good time the hour. The good time hour. You remember that? I okay, do remember that's that. I was a kid, but yeah. I remember that. Well, he's, you know, he subbed in for the Smothers Brothers in the summer, and they gave him that uh, that show, and then it was so big, Obviously, he became his own artist and wow. his uh, own show and went on for years. And with all of that time, uh, really caught the attention. And it, that gifting of being able to play by ear, it's really hard to define. He couldn't really ever define it, but boy, he, he was astounding on guitar. He was amazing. Yeah. He was amazing. I mean, uh, I was a fan. I still, <clears throat> pardon me, I still... Uh, can hear gentle on my mind in my oh, head, yeah. or you uh, probably do some of his tunes, right? I do, I do. Uh, uh, the I've I've played uh, the Wichita Lineman uh, many times. That's uh, one of my favorite songs. Too. Yeah. It's a beautiful song. Yeah, <laughs> and so I got to watch Glenn on one of the late night shows when he did that, oh, and he, and it was just him with an acoustic guitar, and he played it all. So I mean, it was fun to copy that one and to learn it the way he played oh, it. Oh, I'd love to hear you play it. It's not most of the time it's done, obviously with a full orchestra, like what you mentioned while ago with those big shows. But mm. boy, it's a lot of fun. Well, this ear thing has taken you pretty far, man. It has. I, I'm thankful to God for for the opportunities. I've been places I would have normally never probably had the chance to go to, and. I've met people I know I would have never met had it not been yeah. for you know the music and the uh, the opportunities that that it opened doors for. I mean, well over forty years now. Wow, forty mm-hmm. years of playing. Mm-hmm. Now, my guest, if you've just tuned in, is Donovan Peterkin, known as a musician even in the Orlando area as Donovan Peters. So we're talking the one and the same here. The reason, uh, you know, sometimes stage artists like yourself will adopt a, a stage name uh, for privacy. But for you, it wasn't just that. It was because of ease, right? Ease of the name. Absolutely. It was uh, my, my full name, of course, being Peterkin. Nobody seemed to be able to remember it. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, crazy. So I just decided to make it easy on folks and I shortened it to Peters and uh, the monikers stuck all these years. Uh, did that ever cause you problems? Um, not having really. two names, sort of speak. Well, it, uh, not problems uh, so much, but uh, something you know, just uh, inconveniences. I, I, there you go. That's yeah. the word I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh my goodness! And you know, learning to play the way you did uh, open these doors. You're here today not only to talk about music. Uh, uh, there's two other things we've got on the agenda. Number one, I want to remind folks about. 
the fact that you are a believer and that you do love getting to take part in this uh, the Christian chamber that is so unusual that we have such a, a vibrant, big meeting, a monthly meeting that, that goes on every month with business people. And I know that you, uh, again, are the player for every one of those things. We all get to walk in and hear this beautiful piano playing going. But you're also an author, and we're going to be talking about that as well. And we we mentioned it the last time you were here. You were yes. in the writing phase at that point. Yes, I was. And the book is about Simon the Cyrenian, right? That's correct. Um, he's the gentleman, uh, for those that know, uh, that helped Jesus carry his cross to Calvary Yeah. Um, yeah during the Passion. So um, I, uh, I always had a... a uh, a thought about what kind of feeling that would be to be carrying the cross of Jesus, uh, and 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 uh, you know, such an important, the most important moment in time, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. So uh, th- that's where it all kind of started. You know that story. Obviously, the 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 story of Christ on the cross, the resurrection story, which is the hinge pin for the gospel. I mean, without that, we don't have salvation. Absolutely. It it is the most important story in the world. I agree. Of all time. Amen. And so here you're writing this book. How does a musician who's traveling and being on cruises and, you know, where did this bug to write happen? How did that happen? Well, uh, we'd have to turn the clock back uh, a little bit. Um, I was a freshman in college, and um, I was in an English class, the you know, mandatory that you had to take. And this particular professor saw something in me in, in when she read my uh, assignments. Mm-hmm. Um, she forwarded something I had written to the head of the English department. And he was a, 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 a an amazing person, an amazing man. He was also um, the uh, he was also a professor with the University of California Berkeley, as well as uh, the uh, the uh, SUNY State of New York system. Wow! So I mean, this guy was revered, and he had an honors English by invitation only class. He read what uh, what the uh, uh, professor Bay had sent him. And he contacted me and asked me to become part of his honors class. Wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> it was. Uh, he, he, he's the one that I credit with um, turning me on to prose and expository writing. And yeah. I found that I just loved doing it. I really did. Yeah. You know, being able to take your thoughts and your imagination and run wild with it. You know, so. That's pretty cool because a lot of musicians that I've known and talked with over the years they really did not and do not love to write. And really many of them, you know, really would just rather play music than just about any of the other classes in, in college or whatever. Sure. But to have such a, a passion as you did and then to get trained on that by somebody like that professor, that's a pretty cool thing. And uh, did you ever write like articles for newspapers or anything like that? No, I never really got the chance to pursue anything along that line. Uh, however, it did help me in in writing songs. I do uh, oh. actually compose, and um, I have written pieces for other folks that needed me to write mm-hmm. this or that. You know, I've done that kind of thing. But as far as um, you know, newspapers or magazines, I never actually got to foray into anything like that. Well, let's talk about your walk with God. How did that begin? 
Well, um, my family, um, my mom and dad were, were I say where I, it feels like they're always with me, but uh, very, very deeply devoted believers mm-hmm. and um, raised their family as such. Uh, so I was, uh, I was um, involved with church and, and the whole, uh, the entire, everything that comes with it, put it mm-hmm. that way, uh, from a very, very young age. But uh, it it wasn't until later in life, after some experiences, uh, life experiences, just uh, you know, some some great, some not so great. Um, there came a moment where I realized how much I needed Him, yeah. how much I needed God in my life, how much I needed salvation. And um, a moment came that um, I, which I could go on <laughs> for ten minutes telling you about it. But the idea was the at that moment. I, I I just laid out to him. I just cried out to him, mm-hmm. reached out to him, and uh, surrendered myself. And uh, from that moment, I've never looked back. You know, parents have a tricky thing with their kids, you know, who grow up in a church. It's so easy mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, not, let's say, shepherd those kids' hearts uh, well. It's easy to do. A lot of parents have looked back, and they have regrets about that. There's a, a there's a certain wonderful thing and a certain challenging thing for a young person like yourself who grew up in the church, but not necessarily had the gospel seeds grow up in their own heart. No, very true. Um, I I rebelled actually for a while there, and um, that was part of what was so telling later on mm-hmm. in life. Um, the hard part about being a you know a, a, a preacher's kid is is the fact that you know you're always held to such a high standard and there's a lot of things you you're not really allowed to experiment or or experience and of course there's always peer pressure and all the stuff that comes with growing oh, up yeah, anyway yeah but uh, until until you know you get to the point where the rubber meets the road and you're actually walking through life and you and you start to understand consequences and things of that nature. Um, I, I, life got away from me. (laughs) Okay. And, uh, Jesus brought me back. Did your parents, were they still around when you came back? Yes, they were. And I'm so thankful for that. Me too. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Most PKs I knew Donovan when I was in high school. Oh my, uh, that would, that reputation was well-deserved. It seemed Mm -hmm. because most PKs I knew were in that rebellious mode. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's sad, isn't it? That, a lot of, uh, there was a generation, I would say, that kind of grew up where the PKs were kind of expected uh, to be perfect and expected not to have any of these issues, and expected not to act out. And so many of them just could not live with that kind of pressure. And they rebelled. That sounds like my story right there. <laughs> yeah. I can totally attest to that. Um, but, you know, the beauty is to know that there's nothing that I could have done and nothing that I can do even to this day yeah. to be separated from him, that I could be forgiven uh, for anything and everything. And that those things that I feared so much growing up as, uh, as a preacher's kid, uh, trying to live up to standards, trying to live up to such, that wasn't, that wasn't something I was being judged by. And it's yeah. not something I was being held down or held to uh, just come, just believe, just, Commit yourself to me. I'll take care of everything. Boy, that's great. You know, what a message. Yeah, it's a great message. And that gospel truth is enough to take anybody out of wherever they are. It's not just 
uh, those that knew the Lord as a young boy growing up with a, a father that was a pastor, but anyone, it's strong enough to bring us back. Absolutely. And, and that is the beautiful thing. And so you, uh, you did you combine uh, the, these years you were growing up? Did you combine uh, the, your fact that your dad was a pastor with your playing? Did you play in church growing up? So, yeah, I, I did play in church um, when I was much younger. I didn't really uh, do a whole lot of that when I, when I uh, started playing professionally. But uh, now, whenever I do get the opportunity, it's something that I'm starting to do more of. And I've written uh, Christian songs and uh, Christian story songs and mm-hmm. so forth. So uh, I did my first album, actually, of that in 2002. Ah, <laughs> now you said your first album, implying you've had several, right? Uh, well, I've done a couple, including a Christmas album uh, that I did a few years ago. Are they still for sale? Uh, yes, you can go to um, uh, uh, iTunes or any of the downloading uh, areas and look up Donovan Peters. Uh, there's a Donovan Peters Christmas is one of them. And uh, High on Eagle's Wings was my, my, my first Christian project. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, do you sing on these or is it only instrumental? No, no, I sing on them as well. Oh, right. I do. Yeah. I am a singer. Uh, who was your influence musically? You know, I get that a lot. And um, it was the, the only way I could answer it was everybody. I listened to everything. I mean, country, uh, uh, rock and roll, it didn't matter. Uh, jazz, I'm a big jazz fan. Um, Did you adopt the style of a piano player from any one that comes to your mind, that maybe more than the other? I think starting out, it was uh, Floyd Kramer. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, mm-hmm. a country player. Absolutely. Yeah. That that grace note sound. Yeah. Uh, you know, that the sliding sound. note. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Is, bram, bram. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of my signatures. Yeah, like a finger roll. Yes, indeed. Yeah. That's one of my signature uh, yeah. uh, techniques. And I, as a matter of fact, I still play last date. <laughs> yeah. I, I was just going to mention that. I grew up, my dad and mom had that album oh, no when kidding. I was growing up. And we would listen to Floyd Kramer. And the last date at at my house, sure. you know, on a little bitty record player that uh, I I don't know I, I guess it was a thirty three because there were yeah it had to be because mm-hmm. there there were multiple songs on that and I as a little boy I was I loved that sound oh it's wonderful it really is yeah. it's a- interesting thing of I heard about that that he copied that lick that ability from was it Ma- Mama Carter June Carter Mama the, it was one of the Carters, I believe. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. I forget her name. Oh, my. Uh, the, I never the, knew that. June Carter's mom, I think, was a guitar player. Oh, wow. And was a famous country, uh, kind of a legend in her own right, and would do that sliding thing where you hammer on a, a note, and that's what Floyd did. That's what I've heard. Okay. So that's my story, and I'm sticking with it, Donovan. Hey, that's a great story. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my guest today is Donovan Peterkin. We're going to talk more about his book, which is on Simon the Cyrenian. When we return, this is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top-trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, Call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, 
an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Donovan Peterkin is my guest today. Donovan, I met him back at the chamber. I've met a lot of wonderful people at the Christian Chamber here in the Orlando area. Donovan is one of them, and uh, he and I get to sit next to each other often at those meetings. It's a lot of fun. Thanks for joining me at our table. Uh, thanks awesome. for having me, Mike. Oh, yeah. It's, it's always it's, a pleasure to see you. It's great. And, you know, uh, this whole thing, we were talking at the end of our first segment about the fact that you were really influenced by some of these players, like you mentioned Floyd Kramer, but you, were, you mentioned in the break a few others that... I've loved too, like Ray Charles. Uh, Absolutely. Now, so tell me what it was about his style, his playing that you loved. Okay, Ray. Ray was amazing because he had he had so many different flavors that made up his style. He yeah. could he could merge country with blues, okay, or country with R and B, all and 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 then blues and R and B. He had a way of using this palette. Yeah, he and, did. Yeah, he had a palette. He was that, a crossover player. Exactly. Yeah. Fantastic. So, I mean, he could go ahead with his big band and do, you know, like what I say and, and you know, and get that rhythm going. Or he could sit there and, and play Georgia on my mind and, 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 and make it so bluesy, so country. Yeah. It was uh, just amazing. to. He was so versatile and had such a unique way of delivering his songs mm-hmm. you know that voice that everything so I, I was a big fan of his and he had some of that gray snow thing that floyd kramer had as well so it was kind of uh that on steroids in a sense i don't yeah. think i've ever heard that called gray snow i like that well you know somebody told me that's what it was yeah. called many years ago and i've always called it that from that pro- yeah from that point forward now you mentioned another player that had a lot of influence on you. He also was a, a, a person without sight, and that was Stevie Wonder. Absolutely. Stevie Wonder, um, he revolutionized keyboard playing as far as I was concerned. His, abil- his style of not only the traditional, you know, rhythm and blues, he had, he had, a, he had a, soul, a soul style that was just, Unlike anything else, and I don't think there'll ever be another mm-hmm. quite like him. And um, what an he, amazing voice! Huh? And an amazing voice, and yeah. he's, he sings a lot higher than people even realize. Yeah, <laughs> you try singing his songs in his yeah. key, <laughs> it's it's a challenge. But um, he, you know, he could paint pictures with music that yeah. uh, that are just unbelievable. I yeah. mean, so he was one that 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 influenced me also. That's great. Um, of course, uh, being a, a dueling piano player, you play a lot of Elton John, you play a lot of Billy Joel, all that kind of stuff. I play all that too. But uh, and then, then there's classic rock and roll like uh, Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis. I mean, so when I say that everybody influenced me, it's really the truth. Yeah. I met a young man. He uh, was a player like Jerry Lee Lewis, Jacob Tolliver. Uh, and he okay. was on American Idol or kind of was one of the, I guess, uh, I don't know how far, how deep he went, but he plays professionally and became a part of Jerry Lee Lewis's life uh, toward oh, the end of Jerry's life. 
And basically, on one of his last tours, Jacob opened, and he's just one of these guys that remind me of you. It's like magic fingers. I don't know how a person takes their fingers. And do you ever get sore? Did your hands get sore from all the the pounding they take on those keys? Oh, my. Uh, yes. Uh, you know what? After a good weekend, uh, I feel it. <laughs> I feel it yeah. on a Sunday or a Monday. Absolutely. Well, well Jacob, uh, I had a chance to play alongside them and along a, a guy named Cole, who is a an impersonator of Elvis. And oh. he also does Johnny Cash occasionally, but mostly Elvis, in this thing called the Million Dollar Quartet. And mm. uh, the, it's going to be in Wearsdale in January at the uh, Opry, uh, what is it, the, uh, uh, the Orange Blossom Orange Blossom Opry, I think is what it's called there oh my. in Wearsdale. And so uh, those that are listening on WRZN, uh, up in the Villages area, that's going to be a really fun show. And Cole Sounds is like a it. great guy and a wonderful a wonderful guy. Oh and Jacob as well. I mean, I think I don't know if Jacob's going to be on that show or not. But there is just something so incredible about going and hearing people like you when you're doing your thing. And because, again, you sing and you sing well, my friend. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and it's just like you've got that what um, we used to call that lounge lizard thing going on, baby. You just sit there and you you tickle those uh, ivories, and it's it's just amazing. I thank you, Mike. I'm just glad to be nominated. You know. <laughs> <It's>, uh... <laughs> All right, that's okay. Let's hear a blues song. Take it away, Donovan. There you, know, you that's go. Just, that's just great. I wish we had a piano up here. I'd that would be do fun. It. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. That would be a blast. Well, let's turn our attention again back to the book. Okay. Uh, you know, I could talk music all day long, and I'm sorry, friends, for uh, for maybe going a little deeper than you wanted me to go. <laughs> but <laughs> when I got a guy like Donovan, it's hard not to talk about that. This writing the book, the inspiration, do you remember exactly how you got first inspired by writing uh, The Life of Simon? I think it was... The the idea came many years ago when um I was watching I think it was the greatest story ever told or whatever and I think it was Sidney Poitier that played the part of Simon in that particular moment in the movie mm-hmm. and picking up this cross and, and and the thought just started to to really permeate uh, in my mind I said you know here it is the son of God with all the power with all of the all that he could have done at that moment, whose love was so huge and his ability to heal and everything else that he had displayed while he was on earth. And yet, and still at the most crucial time, he needed some, he needed help. Mm -hmm. You know, he actually needed someone to help him accomplish his mission. Now, of course, we think a few, a few people realized to the degree that Christ was beaten and really just bludgeoned. In those moments. I mean, it was, it was amazing what he went through. Oh, absolutely. When I did uh, some of the research, you know, on crucifixion and so forth so that I could totally understand it, he actually shouldn't even have been able to, uh, to, to get to where he got to. Um, he should have died just from, uh, blood loss and other things prior to when, when, um, folks understand what was involved in that. And I touch on it in the book as well. So, um, it's just amazing, but, then the thoughts started to, 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 to marinate, and I said, well, you know, the Son of Man used uh, or, or, or uh, recruited 
a regular man to help him get through. And Christ being our example and everything, on everything that we do uh, on life in general and how to live it and so forth, I think he was, in a sense, giving a lesson that even though I told you to pick up your cross and carry it, you also need to help pick up, help other people pick up their crosses. Mm. Okay. And in doing so, someone is going to help you pick up yours. And it seemed to me to just so mesh with everything that we've learned uh, from Jesus's preachings. Mm -hmm. So um, the thought just started to to marinate even more. <laughs> and I was always a big fan of uh, the the epic uh, Bible movies, you know, the the the, the Ten Commandments, oh, you know, Charlton Heston stuff. Yeah, yeah. Ben Hur was another one of my favorite. Yeah. To this day, is still one of my favorite movies, and so forth. So. I started to realize that there were stories within the story. Mm -hmm. And I started to imagine to myself, what could this guy have been like? What, where could he have come from? You know, what would his background have been? As I did studying on, uh, on Cyrene itself and its society, it just, one thing just started falling into place and it became a domino effect. Wow. Now, a lot of writers have dreams and aspirations that their book, and you are now in that category, written a book that uh, they have this dream that it might become a movie. Has that ever happened in your thoughts? Absolutely. Um, I think if I had to define my, my writing style, I see things. Um, I, I'm very cinematic in the way I view everything. Yeah. Um, when I hear music or when I'm playing, I hear the whole production in my head. Yeah. Okay, all the all the parts, all the horns, the strings, I know where everything goes. And in writing this book, it was much the same. I I saw the book as I was writing the book. So uh, the the next step, uh, and, and it'll probably be a series. I know I'm already starting on a sequel. Um, I will definitely be looking to convert it to screenplay and uh, putting it uh, putting it out for, for a film. Yeah, with your background and understanding and as much entertaining as you've done that seems like it would be a natural thing but you know you're writing this at a time in history where so many believers are at the helms like for example angel studios you know who put out this this production called the chosen right uh, there's a lot of productions going on right now with biblical themes i think i think it's a wonderful need that we all have to have entertainment or tv shows that are not just the typical doom and gloom and, and sin-based type stuff. But uh, the, the fact that you've got Angel Studios going on, you, you might well find an avenue to get someone there or another studio like it to read your uh, book and possibly talk about screenplay. Well, what a blessing that would be. And that is in my prayers that uh, one day that what you just described will actually come to, wow. to being. Now, in your imaginations, I got to ask one more question on that sure, line. Sure. Who, who would play Simon in your book? Oh gosh, I've been I've been wondering about that myself. I'm still trying to figure out who would be the perfect person for that. Yeah, haven't got an answer for that one yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, have you ever wanted to do acting yourself? I actually have had the opportunity. I did a low budget slasher movie. What? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, it was, uh, it was probably about what now, 10 years ago, about 10 years ago, uh, I got, you cast. just blew my mind right there, man. I... <laughs> uh, 
Um, it was called uh, uh, The Woods Have Eyes. Oh. Right? <laughs> I still have a DVD of it. Um, I got cast as a, sh- uh, a sheriff's deputy. Oh. And I was one of the lead characters. I was a deputy uh, yeah, in this movie. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. And do you have an IMBD? Uh... I did get I- 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 IMDB credit for it. His... Uh, they misspelled my name. <laughs> well, there you go. That's you know what I mean? Should have been Peters. It should have been Peters. <laughs> but no, I do have my actual um, DB credit. Mm-hmm. A slasher movie. <laughs> I would not have expected that out of your mouth, my friend. That is hilarious. Oh, uh, I I never thought I would see the day. I, I, I went up uh, for a reading and... Uh, the guy chased me out. I was out in the parking lot and he chased me. He chased me down and said, I want you. I want you. He dragged me in. And that's how it all started. How long did that take to make? Um, I think uh, overall, maybe about three months. Wow. About three months. That's something. <laughs> and there you go, folks. That's the first time I've hit a new first on my program today. <laughs> I have interfe- I have interviewed a an actor in a slasher movie. I, I this this is a a big day. <laughs> I think it's the first time I've actually told anybody on radio. Oh, oh my goodness, that's well. I'm glad you told me, man. That's that's just too much fun. But going back to it, this book. One of the things that I've loved about it in reading it is the fact that your your storytelling skill through writing is there, but you don't get bogged down in like super, super long drawn out. It's, it's succinct. And I think that's something that a lot of writers, I don't know if they're pushing to get more pages written, but sometimes uh, the, the dialogue or the storyline gets kind of lost in just the pages. Yours doesn't seem to do that. Oh, thank you, Mike. Um, it was uh, well. First off, I being my first book ever, I was kind of trying to read little tips and 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 things from other authors, uh, and I well, the publisher that that uh, the that is doing my book had initially set a limit of seventy thousand words, and I didn't know what that was going to look like, so I was kind of trying to consciously watch, you know, going too far. Plus, I know. As a reader, my you know when I read, mm-hmm. um, I don't want to get buried in a whole lot of stuff that's really not going to matter a whole lot. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, I want to be able to continue the storyline and stay stay moving. Yeah, and uh, so I kind of wrote with that in mind. You know, when you have a a story that's developing, and you have a chapter that's maybe two pages as opposed to one that's 22 pages, Mm -hmm. uh, that makes a big difference. And a lot of people, I don't know if it's just telling of our culture and our society, but a lot of people, they'll sit down to read, but they, in their own mind, uh, they they only have a few moments to do it. And they want to be able to knock off a chapter or two. And sometimes when it gets difficult, they kind of, they kind of put it away. That's true. And I was afraid of that happening. You know, I definitely didn't want to write something like war and peace. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. know? Um, but um, I thought to myself, uh, and I agree with you fully, I like feeling like I accomplished something for the time that I spent reading, you know, okay, okay. I got through yeah. this chapter or this many chapters and some, some of the chapters in the book didn't need a whole lot of room. Okay. They needed a stage for that scene a standalone stage for that scene. But once you've covered it, that's it. Move on. Yeah. So um, I wanted folks to be able to feel like it, 
uh, they could read chunks of this and digest it at a pace that is easy on them. Did you feel that you had the personality of Simon kind of really work through before you wrote it? Or was that something that worked out as you were writing it? There's a little bit of me in Simon. I, I think um, there, there's some of that. Um, but it, it really kind of took on a life of its own as, as I got started. Mm-hmm. Uh, once, once I figured out who I wanted him to be, and uh, gave him uh, uh, the, uh, the, the beginnings of backstory. It took off. Yeah. So this would uh, fit into that category of writing where it's kind of informed fiction, right? Would that be what you would say it is? That's a good way of putting it. Absolutely. Informed um, meaning that it's based on truth. It's based on a real character. Mm-hmm. But you filled in a lot of, uh, like you said, you put a lot of you into it, a lot of imagination. Absolutely. And yeah. and that was that was a wonderful ride. I mean, to be able to do that. Yeah. You know, um, you, you know, you know who he is and you know how it ends. But there's a whole lot in the middle that um, doesn't exist. You get to put that together. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. My guest today is Donovan Peterkin, known musically as Donovan Peters. And we're going to be back with him for one final segment in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. You're on The Shepherd. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Back again for one final segment here with my guest, Donovan Peterkin, known as Donovan Peters in, in the music world. And by the way, you do play music on Fridays and Saturdays in Orlando. I do. Uh, there's a new venue, uh, family attraction called The Lonely Dog. Uh, for those that are familiar with iDrive at the premium international Outlet, drive, Eric, yeah, international drive. It's in the old uh, what used to be the Reebok store. For those that are local and might know, but it's on International Drive by the uh, Premium Outlets, and it's uh, an all immersive uh, experience. Uh, of a big theater where you actually get to walk into the story. The story happens around you through technology. It's, it's really interesting. And, that sounds like uh, a fun date night for people. It is. It is. It's, uh, it'll bring out the little kid in you. That's for sure. I'm going to have to check that out. I've not even heard about this, the lonely dog. Yes. You can go to lonely dot, uh, uh, lonely dog, Orlando.com. LonelyDogOrlando.com. Mm-hmm. You're there on Friday nights and Saturday nights. What's your role there? I get to play uh, the piano man. I there, there's a uh, a mock up of a cafe uh, uh, lounge kind of situation, and I'm the featured musician. So you are a lounge lizard. I knew it. All <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't get away from it. Oh, it's that true. is that is just great, <laughs> and you do that very well. I mean, I, again, I've heard you on numerous occasions, and every month when I hear you, you've got a playlist. Do you have any idea, Donovan, how many songs you know? At one time, uh, I was trying to count, and it's upwards of 2,000 songs. Wait a minute. You know 2,000 songs. I do. And you play them at a professional level. 
Yes. You're a sick man, Donovan. <laughs> <laughs> That's unfair. Oh, just blessed. Just blessed. <laughs> that is incredible. I feel bad now, folks, with my 40 song, uh, you know, repertoire that I have when I go out and do stuff, man. That is amazing. And again, you don't just play. Uh, you play. You, you're, I'm sure you've done a lot of gigs where you don't sing, but you're able to play m- the melody lines mm-hmm. as well as that's a that's the gift of a piano player that really is able to do it that instrument those 88 keys really are expansive they really are when you think of how many different musicians there are out out in the world how many songs have been written with those same 88 keys yeah it's just an amazing instrument yeah it is and and, uh you know you've got people like i've had on my program john tesh oh my he is such a great great piano player and his song is now being heard again in this season. He does uh, the Carol of the Bells. Yes. And I know you would do that one without a doubt as well. That's I'd love a... to hear your version of oh, it. Oh, my. Thank you. But, boy, John's version of that is memorable. It's a recording. And I didn't know this until the last time I talked with him, but he was the songwriter or the music writer for what was the NBC, uh, the NBA on NBC uh uh, kind of a theme that they use oh, for really? all the NBA games. No kidding. Yeah, he wrote that. I didn't that. know that. I didn't know that at and, all. And the funny thing you told me is this story is he had the idea, I believe he might have even been in Europe at the time, and all of a sudden he had an idea. Someone had talked to him about writing music like that, and he had this thought, and he thought, I can't forget it. So he called himself at his home uh, and left himself an answer machine message Okay. And where he kind of went like, uh, and he had all the little accidents, uh, accents on it and, and all. And oh, he, wow. and, and so that was his way of notating. So he did not That's forget. That's pretty the, slick. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> you know, in this day and age, when you get an idea for a, a melody, you can pick up your iPhone and just do a little simple recording mm-hmm. right there. And that's pretty nice to have. Very nice to have. Uh, it's uh worlds apart from what we used to have to do you know and you hoped you didn't forget it before you get to a tape recorder that's right (laughs) yeah and it is easy to forget Mm -hmm. Uh, inspiration strikes you got to be able to record it somehow when it it happens donovan how is uh this christmas season affecting you and your prep for uh, first of all the book but also your playing uh how how is all of that working do you change your repertoire at the theater when you uh, start playing uh, this time of year? Um, at, 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 actually, yes. Um, I do put, of course, the emphasis on the holiday music, you know, and folks want to hear that. But as a rule, my show is an all-request format anyway. Ah. So whatever folks want to hear is what I play for them. Wow. You know, and so the requests now will be more and more for holiday songs, so I will definitely be uh, stepping up. With 2,000 songs in your repertoire, I'm betting you don't get stumped too often. Not too often. It happens, though. It happens, (laughs) but not too often. Can you remember a time and a song that you didn't know? Oh, gosh, it happens. Uh, I'm trying to think of a particular moment, but um, there have been times where somebody's hit me with something I'd never heard of. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, that's, you know, I I, I would think if someone came up to you and said, uh, what's that song that says... 
He, I flushed him from the toilets of my heart. I <laughs> say, <laughs> uh, oh, if you, hum, oh, my if you hum a few bars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's there's some great old country songs like that. Oh, that, that's, yeah, that's great yeah, stuff. That's hilarious, but I don't think anybody knows them. And it's I, I used to love to watch the Tonight Show when they would do the stump the band thing, and right. that was a, that was very entertaining. Absolutely. So that, that's got to be fun. And I'm sure the people, do they just holler out the songs? Listen to me. Holler out. There you go, friends. There, there's one of my Indiana phrases coming out right there. It's all good. It's all good. Um, no, I, yeah, they holler so loud. Um, <laughs> and you know, I get shout outs. And I also have um, little uh, slips that they can write down their oh. favorite songs if they like. You know, oh. Some people are too shy to say anything. That's way too sophisticated for me right there, man. Yeah. And, and the slips I, uh, that I have for them look like little cassette tapes. Oh, come on. <laughs> so they fill in on the cassette tape. Now, that is my second mind-blowing moment right there. You have that in your slasher history. I don't know if I'm going to be able to survive. This is too great. Uh, Donovan, this uh, this book, let's go back to the book one more mm, time. Because sure. it's on pre-sale right now. It is. It's uh, available for pre-order on Amazon.com. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and all you have to do is uh, look, look up my name, Donovan Peterkin. Or uh, the actual full title of the book is The Cyrenian Crossroads and a Cross. Okay, Crossroads mm -hmm. and a Cross, like Crossroads the subtitle. and a Cross is the yeah. subtitle. Uh -huh. Because there are, the, I found out only after my book release <laughs> uh, notification came that there are actually two books written called The Cyrenian. Really? Yeah, older, older books. I uh -huh. didn't even know they existed. But uh, just so that they know. Yeah. Yeah. It's Donovan Peterkin, Crossroads yeah. and Across. And Peterkin is P E T E R K I N. K -I -N just the way it sounds. Mm -hmm. And there you go. I, you would not have thought that word would have been as hard to remember. And, uh, but yet, sometimes people would get that wrong. It, they did yeah. <laughs> quite often. Yeah. My last name is Gilland, but. People call me Gilland or Gilliland, and yeah, I get it. And okay, so, yeah, there you that, go. That's right. Jesus, you got to go with the flow on that. Uh, what yeah. What is this Christmas season besides your your book coming out? It's like you don't have anything going on, right? You got <laughs> you got your book coming out. What else is going on in your life? Well, between the book and and the music, and um, now of course I'm learning about now the book's out. I I, I have to figure out the marketing stuff, so. Um, I'm trying to put together uh, book tours. Um, I'm trying to find uh, opportunities, especially with the churches. I'd love to be able to come in and and uh, maybe talk a little bit about the book itself and uh, the mm. lessons from it and uh, that kind of thing. So I'm just now formulating uh, all of this stuff. I only got the, uh, the release uh, information two weeks ago. Right. So and, all of a sudden, and that's like, a wham. copy you sent me, right? I mean that. Uh, and so it's out. I mean, it's going to be out. Yes. It, the official day is the 18th of December. Yes. Just in time for Christmas. Perfect timing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Makes a great gift. Every author has to be concerned about something that is a marketing issue, and that's the cover. So, what kind yes. of cover is going to go on your book? Okay, the, uh, it's really well done. The people. Um, that uh, helped me to put the cover together, did a phenomenal job. It is a, what they call a vector. So it's, it's, it's actually a, a it's graphic. A piece. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Graphic. Yeah. It's a graphic, but it's, it shows two figures 
and even though the faces the faces are not uh, defined, you can easily tell it's Jesus, and you can easily tell it's another man. Mm-hmm. And he's holding up the cross on one end, and Jesus is holding up the cross on the other. Mm-hmm. And they're walking up uphill, and you can see in the background the buildings and the people, shadows, silhouettes mm-hmm. of people mm-hmm. yelling, a Roman soldier. And so forth. So it's really a, a snapshot of the film of that scene. I'm sorry, uh, done as as a graphic. It's- but but you see it. I mean, even that is telling. I love the way that when you see your own writing and your own book, mm-hmm. you kind of almost make it uh, cinematic. Then exactly. Uh, it, I'll never forget the feeling when when I finally got the proof of what it was going to look like, mm-hmm. and that's when reality hit. You know, it's like it's really there. Yeah. It's it's here. It's here. And I know you've been working on this for how many years? I first started putting pen to paper about six years ago. Yeah, I think that's just a fact that so many don't realize. Mm-hmm. The time and the effort and the pouring over and refining, all of that is part of writing a book. Absolutely. It is a process. And um, you have to you have to love the process because it is it is very intense. Mm-hmm. Um I, but I happen to love it. I mean, now that I've been through it, uh, I guess I would, not that I know from experience, but I'd kind of liken it to giving birth. You know what I mean? All the pain and everything, but you would do it again in a heartbeat. <laughs> well, I mean? and, and that's, you've proven that to be true because Absolutely. you're already now beginning the, the thought process for the second work. Absolutely. What will that be on? Is that something you can share? Well, um, uh, picking up the story from where this one particularly leaves off, it's going to be the beginnings of the early church. Okay. It's going to be the the gospel. It's really going to start out with the gospel commission. Wow. Because this book ends with the gospel commission. And now this is putting it into action. Okay. Now, will that one also be uh, the same kind of writing style that you've employed in this one? Yes, it will. And uh, with many of the same characters. It's still going to be built around Simon. Um you know, uh, some folks don't realize that there were many more than 12 disciples and them going out into the world and, and spreading the gospel um, takes them in mm-hmm. all kinds of different directions and so forth. Um, so Simon and his family, because his son, Alexander and Rufus are also mentioned in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And in those days, you know, of course, the males got mentioned, the women didn't, even though the women are so crucial. Yes, to everything, no doubt about to it. To everything in here. Yeah. So his wife actually, um, from what I could read um, from Josephus and so forth, actually she went out separate from Simon and um, uh, was involved in the, uh, the Gospel Commission. So that's where we're going to pick it up. That sounds so cool. Well, give us the information one more time about the name of the book and where people can get it. Sure. It's The Cyrenian and the subtitle is Crossroads and a Cross. And it's available at Amazon.com under that title. And uh, my name, Donovan Peterkin, is another way you can look it up. Um, uh, there's a page on Facebook for it. So you can go to uh, um, uh, The Cyrenian, a book by uh, The Cyrenian, a novel by Donovan Peterkin. You can find that on uh, Facebook as well. But uh, it's available through Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, and pretty much uh, any of the online uh, bookstores are going to be carrying it. It's going to be so exciting to see it when it uh, gets here in hard, 
hard copy form or, or is it a is it a hard cover or a soft cover? It's a soft cover. Soft cover. Okay, but a uh-huh. hard cover version is coming. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, we wish you the best, and Donovan, thank I you. wish you the most Merry Christmas as well. Oh, Mike, thank you so much. I wish the very same for you and yours. Uh, thank you for blessing me with the opportunity to be on your show once again. Uh, that's my pleasure, and I know everyone has enjoyed hearing you. Donovan Peterkin, that is P-E-T-E-R-K-I-N. Look up his book, and uh, we will see you next time, friends, right here on Afternoons with Mike. Mike.